Esta es la hora extra. Con Richard Baugan. Hello and welcome again. Here we are back together. My God. We're back together for another class, and it's Tuesday, by the way, Tuesday. It's Tuesday evening, so we have successfully completed our second day of the week. Yes, sir, which means tomorrow is Wednesday, which means, lo cual significa, which means that tomorrow is Wednesday. What, what can we do? What can we do on a Tuesday? Can you imagine? I can't think of anything better on a Tuesday than to learn English. I mean, if you're going to say, look, what is the best type of activity to perform on a Tuesday? Well, the best activity that comes to mind, look, which comes to mind, is simply to uh, to enjoy life by learning. Because a learning process, learning, improving your mental capacities, is something that um, is uh, pleasant. Una experiencia muy grata, you know, to learn. When you really feel like you're actually learning, deberás tú aprendiendo cosas. I am actually, fíjate cómo lo pronuncio, aunque los británicos dicen actual, actual, actually, mucha chain en inglés británico con esta palabra, <coughs> actually, in English, in American English, es como zapato, shoe, a shoe, actually, actual, actually, um, learning, I'm actually learning something. Es que de verdad que estoy aprendiendo algo. When you truly start learning something, you uh, you find that the learning process is very, very pleasant, fun, exciting, enjoyable. And uh, the teacher that makes... It's usually it's a teacher that makes that possible. And then you admire or deeply respect the teacher because the teacher has transform the learning process into something that is actually learning. Uh, because usually, uh, with most teachers in the world, you don't learn. You simply memorize. You reproduce on an exam. And maybe 5% stays in your brain. You can spend 10 hours on Napoleon Bonaparte and the life of Napoleon, Napoleonic France, the Napoleonic Wars in Spain and France and Austria and the Austro-Hungarian Empire and Prussia and in Russia. And you can spend 10 hours of your life plus the exam. And you can pass the exam with flying colors. To pass an exam with flying colors, colores voladora, voladores o volantes, Means, uh, lo apruebas con matricula, vamos con, muy, muy bien, to pass an exam with flying colors. But then you will very quickly forget 90% of everything you have learned. In fact, you haven't learned it. You have simply memorized it. You've put it in your head. You've crammed it into your brain to reproduce on the exam. And then you conveniently forget because it's not interesting for you. It's not important, really. It's not interesting. Anything that's interesting for a person is also important. And so um, you forget. However, if the teacher is truly good, if the teacher can gain your attention and gain your enjoyment, then everything the teacher says about Napoleon, probably 70% will stay in your brain instead of 10%. 70% you'll remember things, anecdotes about Napoleon Bonaparte. 
You remember the Battle of Austerlitz. You you will remember the battles against uh, Thomas against General Moore and General Wesley in the Spanish in the Peninsular War. You'll remember Alexander the the Tsar of Russia and. Uh, the invasion of the Grand Armée. You'll remember these things and you'll maybe remember uh, teachings and conclusions. El que mucho abarca, poco aprieta. Yeah, which is something that is very applicable to Napoleon Bonaparte. He bit off more than he could chew. To bite off is arrancar de un mordisco más de lo que puedes masticar. No puedes tragarlo. Y te mueres en el empeño. That means to bite off, con doble F. More than you can chew is one of the ways in English saying abarcar demasiado. You bite off more than you can chew. And that's what Napoleon did. He he was successful in uh, invading and controlling Italy. He was successful temporarily in Egypt. Although in the end he kind of had to escape Egypt. Uh, he was successful in invading the Austro-Hungarian Empire and taking control of Vienna. And he was successful in Prussia, basically, more or less, which included what is today Poland. And then he, all, he uh, decided that he didn't respect the Spanish crown. Now, the Spanish crown, la corona española, in 1808, before the um, 2nd of May, el 2 de mayo de 1808 was el día de la independencia española. It was the day of the uprising against Napoleonic troops in Madrid. If you remember, Goya uh, had several paintings about these first days in Madrid because he was a, he was a witness of what was happening. El 2 de mayo, el 3 de mayo, these things. Los fusilamientos, you remember. And it's interesting. Napoleon invaded, well, Napoleon had no respect for Charles IV, the king of Spain. He had no respect for his wife. He had no respect for Ferdinand VII, the heir to the throne. And he had no respect for Manuel Godoy, who was, up to almost that time, the El Príncipe, what they called El Príncipe de la Paz, the Prince of Peace, who was the Prime Minister of Spain at that time. and uh, But he was overthrown in Aranjuez, I think shortly before the 2nd of May. I can't remember. When did... When was he overthrown? Cuando, se der, cuando fue derrocado... Godoy, I think it was in March or April. Manuel Godoy, el favorito de Carlos Cuarto. But he was. They also say, rumors say, las malas lenguas. Rumors say uh, that he was the lover of the queen. But I don't know whether it's rumors or if it's true. I don't really know. But his his. Um, Destierro y muerte en el segundo ministerio. Motín era juez. All right. Y caída de Godoy. When did that happen? I'm trying to find. Let's see. El 19 de marzo. 
caída y prisión del príncipe de la paz. El 19 de marzo. So, a month and a half later, on the 2nd of May, on the 2nd of May, the people in Madrid rose up against the Napoleonic troops. And that was the, the official beginning, let's say, of what is called in Great Britain the Peninsular War, in reference to the Iberian Peninsula, the Peninsular War. And um, that's a Napoleon, because he didn't respect the king, he met, he called Charles IV, Carlos IV, and his wife. What was her name? Hmm. Let me find Fernando VII, la madre de Fernando VII. What was her name? Let's see, the, the mother, Maria Luisa de Parma. So she was Italian. Parma's in Italy. I don't know if she was born in Italy. Reina consorte España, esposa de Carlos IV. Okay. But where was she from? El hija de Felipe I, hermano de Carlos III de España y duque de Parma. But where was she born? <laughs> Let's see. Nacimiento en Parma, du, Ducal de Parma, in Italy. But I don't know if she grew up in Spain or in Italy. Maybe her first language is Italian. You never know. But in any case, uh, Ferdinand, digo, Napoleon Bonaparte, called him to Bayonne. Bayonne is a city in the, small city in the Basco, País Basco Francés, in the French Basque country, Bayona, Bayona, Bayon. And there he had a meeting with Charles IV, Marie Luisa de Parma, the queen, and the son, Ferdinand VII. And Napoleon was not impressed. Just the opposite. And he, f he had... His impression was that Spain, under these people, would never be able to be to progress, and so he felt that he was liberating Spain from people like that—the dark, superstitious, unproductive Spain—and so he sent his troops first to cross Spain in order to go to Portugal, because he wanted to punish Portugal for trading with Great Britain. And so he took permission, he didn't ask permission, basically, he took permission to start sending troops across the Basque Country and Nor and Burgos, Zamora, and to go to and Zvaidolid, Salamanca, to go to Portugal. But at the same time he stationed troops in Spain. He stationed troops. A a cuartelar, poner en cuarteles in Spain. And so, inadvertently, they took over. They started to control Spain. And he kept the kings and the queen, the king and the queen and the prince in Bayonne. And finally, the people in Madrid rose up, and that started the Peninsular War. And he decided to put his brother, José Bonaparte, as the king of Spain. Pepe Botella lo llamaban aquí en Madrid. And they called him Joe Bottle, Pepe Botella. And um, for five years, José Bonaparte was the king of Spain in the Peninsular War. And that was the first big mistake Napoleon made. 
He thought he could liberate Spain with the ideas and the ideals of the French Revolution. And the people in Spain would not take it. Spanish people never like people coming in and criticizing the way they live. Spanish people enjoy criticizing themselves. But they don't appreciate outsiders criticizing them. And so they made life impossible for the French the occupational troops, the French, it was terrible. And so that's, the, and it was terrible. Just the city of Zaragoza, to take the city of Zaragoza, it, it took about eight or ten months for the French troops to take Zaragoza. The population of Zaragoza, before the arrival of the French troops in 1808, the same year as the uprising in Madrid. The French troops arrived. You remember Agustina de Aragón with the cannon. That was the French. That was the Spanish resistance to the French siege of Zaragoza. The siege de Zaragoza. And they, um, and they took, finally took Zaragoza. But during those eight or ten months of the two different Invasions or attacks or sieges. The population of Zaragoza fell from 50,000 people to 12,000 people. So it was a, an incredible. And many of them, most of these people died during the siege of Zaragoza. The women threw pot plants from the top of the buildings down onto the French troops in the streets. Pot plant, a pot plant, pot plant is un, una, how do you say? Macetas que hay en las ventanas. Los tiraban a, la, a los soldados franceses. And the French soldiers, the French commanders said to Napoleon, we don't understand these people, etc. Uh, by the way, Tino, can you do me a favor? Can you tell, me oyes, can you tell the people outside to, están hablando muy alto aquí al lado, all right? To tell them to speak a little bit lower because I'm having trouble concentrating there's so much and so um it's funny this is a this radio is hermeticamente cerrado but if somebody's talking too loud if somebody's talking too loud then uh, it's easy to it's easy to get distracted <laughs> all right so let's get back to napoleon and then he made the second mistake in russia by invading Russia. And as we know from the case of Adolf Hitler as well, invading and successfully occupying Russia is not the easiest thing in the world. Now, to get back to my original subject, if you have a teacher who talks about Napoleon in a cool way, como mola este profe, ese Napoleon era and you'll never forget many of the aspects of... Um, Napoleon. That's the secret of a good teacher in which the learning process takes place and very effectively and very quickly and very permanently simply because the teacher is cool and you enjoy the teacher and so the subject if you if you like if you love the teacher the subject is interesting. It doesn't matter what the teacher is teaching. The teacher could be teaching dietary sciences phosphoric acid manipulation 
or nuclear energy or Adolfo, yeah, or Adolfo Suarez, the life of Adolfo Suarez or Lope de Vega and his poetry and his plays. And you like it because the teacher's cool. If the teacher's cool, the subject is cool and you remember things and they stay in your head for the rest of your life. 70% of what the teacher teaches remains in your head for the rest of your life. And the opposite case, a teacher who's not good, you will pass the exam, maybe 100%, but 90% you will forget or more. Very soon after that, because you simply crammed, to cram is hincharle el cerebro de datos y fechas y nombres. And that's it. So the learning process, when you want, if you want young people to learn, if you want young people to grow intellectually and, and uh, psychologically and physically, in my opinion, the secret is the quality of the teacher and only that. Okay, so here we are on a Tuesday evening and I'm talking to you without notes. I'm doing it from the radio studios of Vaughn Radio in Cayorense in Madrid. And usually I do this program from my home, where I have a lot of notes. But I've lost my notes, and so I have to wing it. To wing something, to wing it, means to do it without any notes, to improvise totally, to improvise completely. And uh, I enjoy doing that because I never, well, I don't remember, I do remember the last time I, I ran out of Subjects, subjects. And it wasn't that I ran out of subjects. It was in 2000, in 2008, I was doing a 20-minute TV direct, un falso direct, on television. And it was program number 17. I needed to do, let's see, quantos eran? 25. I needed to do 25 programs for the Coleccionables del Diario del Mundo. I remember that. I had to do, first, in the end, I had to do 41 20-minute English programs on TV. And I did it without notes. I did it naturally. And, of course, as usual, I went off on tangents, etc. And I remember they were recording me, the cameraman and the producer... And in minute number 17 of the 25 minutes, I said to him, I said, what was his name? I can't remember his name. Paul, stop. I said, what? I said, stop. I said, well, what do you mean stop? I said, I don't remember what I was talking about. I can't get back to the original point. And it was the first time and he had ever seen that happen to me. He was shocked. He said, whoa, whoa, what's the matter? Are you okay? I said, yeah, but I was groping to grope, G-R-O-P-E, means extender las los manos a tientas porque no ves nada, to grope, to meter mano, eh? to grope, but it has two meanings, toquetear, meter mano, manosear, pero también es ir a tiendas, tientas o tantear en la oscuridad, yes, tuvimos que ir a tientas por that's groping, and we use it figuratively. 
you're groping for to try to find your subject. You're totally in the dark. And that was in 2008. So that was the last time that I was unable to get back to my original subject or being unable to get back to my original subject in Canceled my ability to finish the program. Now, if I'm on the radio live in Tiempo Real, well, I can't do that. I have to find a way to get around it. But the expression in Spanish, querer es poder, where there's a will, there's a way, is a very powerful and very true saying. If you apply your will, people say, how do you do that on TV? I said, it's easy. How do you do that on the radio? It's easy. How do you give speeches for an hour without notes? It's easy. And it is. You simply have to say, I have to do it. I have to do it. And you compel yourself to do it. To compel is obligar. Obligar. You compel yourself. Te, te obligas a hacerlo. Compeler se dice. Bueno, existe en español, pero no se dice. Compeler. Spanish definition, compeler, de la RAI. Obligar a alguien con fuerza o por autoridad a que haga lo que no quiere. To compel, compeler. You compel yourself in this case. Curioso, no sabía que existía la palabra compeler in Spanish. I didn't know that. To compel yourself. And so, um, and you do it. You have to do it. That's something that I have forced myself. I have to do it. It's not a question, am I capable? Of course, everybody's capable of learning how to do things that seem difficult, but you learn how to do them, you know? Nothing is too difficult that you can't to become good at doing it. You can do it. Where there's a will, there's a way. And I have, I don't have any abilities that are greater than yours. My abilities and my Talent is no better than your talent and your abilities. The only difference could be that I have forced myself to bring them out and to use them and then to develop them. And you have the same abilities. You just don't know it. I mean, if you don't believe in yourself. And it's not that I necessarily be have believed in myself. I just said I had no hay remedio, hay que llegar a completar 26 Without any notes, I have to do it. And so, in the end, you learn how to do these things. It's a learning process of applying the very simple adage. Adage? What's an adage? Un adagio. El sencillo adagio de querer es poder. Adagio means un especie de dicho. Let's see what the Royal Academy says for the word adagio. Adagio, sentencia breve, y la mayoría de veces moral. <laughs> Un adagio. Uh, también adagio, the Italian is movimiento lento musical, adagio. It's interesting that the word adagio in Spanish comes from the Italian word adagio, movimiento lento. That's interesting. Hmm, adagio. I didn't know that. Blessed, you compel yourself. Querer es poder. There's nothing stronger than ex that expression. Si quieres puedes. My first book published, a bestseller, by the way, was Si quieres puedes. If you want to learn English, you can, which is true, but ojo, but wait. Let me clarify. You have to know 
how to prioritize properly. And prioritizing when you learn English, there's only one way. If you want to learn English well, if you want to master my language, if you want to become uh, fluent in English, powerful in English, uh, you have to, uh, to focus on only two priorities. Only two. And for the past 20 years, I've been saying the same thing. And people don't listen to me and don't follow my advice. Only two things. Listening comprehension and oral agility with the basic grammar. Not the intermediate grammar nor the advanced grammar. The basic grammar. And uh, in that case, you will. You will uh, learn English and you'll reach a very good level. Uh, sometimes I can't see Tino on the... <laughs> on the okay and I'm running out of time for this half hour but I'll be back for the second half hour of the extra hour in just a moment so stay close to that dial and don't go away Tienes un smartphone o una tablet, no tienes excusas. Descarga ya nuestra app de Baugan Radio y podrás escuchar nuestra radio en directo, enviarnos tus tweets, conocer nuestra parrilla, acceder a nuestros podcasts y enterarte de todas las novedades de Baugan. Aprende inglés en cualquier momento y en cualquier lugar con la app de Baugan Radio. Many English methods guarantee that you can learn English with 20 minutes a day. Don't believe them. The only guarantee in these cases is that your money will be in their pocket. ¿Te levantas? ¿Una ducha? ¿Te tomas un café? ¿Te vistes? ¿Otro café? ¿Coges todo para salir? ¿No encuentras las llaves? ¿El coche tarda en arrancar? ¿No arranca? ¿No arranca? Por fin, atasco. ¿Más atasco? ¿Llegas al trabajo? ¿Otro café? ¿Reunión? ¿Otra reunión? Haz una pausa y disfruta. Mejorando. Aprendiendo con tu curso trimestral por videoconferencia. Con todo el dinamismo e intensidad de una clase Baugan en una plataforma rápida y de fácil instalación. Por fin llega tu mejor momento del día. Cursos trimestrales por videoconferencia. Haz tu reserva en el 911335833. 911335833. Prueba el método Baugan con nuestro curso trimestral. Elige entre nuestra modalidad presencial o por videoconferencia. Y el resto, déjanoslo a nosotros. Tres meses de listening y speaking con los mejores profesores del mercado. Entra en grupobaugan.com e infórmate. Curso trimestral de Baugan. Masterclass, finally. Yes, masterclass, finally. After a long wait, I am offering a new masterclass. When? On Thursday, April 7th. What time? From 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Where? En el Salón de Actos de la Escuela Técnica Superior de Ingenieros Industriales, es decir, la Politécnica de la Castellana, donde el Museo de la Ciencia. The address is Calle José Gutiérrez Abascal, number two. Be careful, eh? that's José Gutiérrez Abascal, not José Abascal, number two. So, 
Remember, Masterclass at 7 p.m. on Thursday, April 7th. 90 minutes of fast and furious English. I'll see you there. Gain Fluency. Gain Fluency with Richard Vaughn. I wrote this book last summer and fall. It's a very, very simple book. Very straightforward. But it's a very, very powerful book. It will triple your fluency and effectiveness when you speak. However, it's designed only for those people who truly want to make big progress. And to make big progress, you, you have to work hard. Before you buy the book, read the instructions. If they terrify you, if they horrify you, or if you refuse to subscribe to my philosophy, don't buy it. Don't buy the book. Don't waste your money. But if you are willing to make the effort, if you are willing to join me in the journey from point A to point B, you will witness a miracle. Hard work produces more miracles than any other strategy or approach. Gain Fluency with Richard Vaughn. Lo de mi hijo no es normal. Lleva dos años en clase de inglés y sigue en el mismo nivel que cuando empezó. Desaparece durante una hora tres veces a la semana y cuando vuelve es que no habla ni una palabra de inglés. Lo único que dice es, mamá, no quiero volver. Si te siguen pasando estas Stranger Things con los cursos de inglés de tus hijos, es hora de salir de la oscuridad. Dales la oportunidad que tú no tuviste con Vaughan Jr. Un curso de inglés adaptado a su ritmo de aprendizaje divertido y eficaz, con unos profesores únicos que les motivan y despiertan sus ganas de aprender. Date prisa antes de que desaparezcan las últimas plazas que nos quedan. Llama ahora al 91-133-5832 o entra en grupobaugan.com. Nuestros campamentos este año tienen un extra de diversión. Tanto si buscas un planazo de ciudad o darles un verano de multiaventura en inglés, tenemos un plan diseñado donde el aprendizaje y la diversión van de la mano. Más información en grupobauan.com. Hello and welcome back. All right, we're back for our second half hour of today's Tuesday edition of the Extra Hour, the last Tuesday of the month of March. The next time I speak to on a Tuesday will be the month of April. April, April showers bring May flowers, yes. March winds bring April showers, bring May flowers. April, April, April. See, tu profesor de inglés del Instituto decir April. Don't worry. If you say April, I think people understand you. I was born in April. Probably they will understand you. I was born in April. April. April, April, April. Pencil. Siempre digo las dos palabras. Los lápices de abril. The April pencils. I never use March pencils or May pencils. I only use April pencils. Okay, here we are. Second half hour. Let's go back to our paragraphs. The fantastic 1,000 micro paragraphs. 
which if you don't have the book, well, that's okay. <laughs> you don't have to buy it. But if you want to really improve your English, then I recommend it. But you have to follow the instructions. If you don't follow instructions, I, how do you say, I wash my hands of all responsibility. Like Pontius Pilate. I wash my hands of all responsibility if you don't follow the instructions. If you follow the instructions, I guarantee you that you will improve. Eso sí que es garantía, eh? If you follow the instructions. If you don't, you won't. If you don't, you won't. Won't. If you don't, you won't. Which means if you don't follow the instructions, you won't improve. Well, maybe you'll improve a little. But if you want to improve a lot, said, wow, keep it off of the improvement. Uh, we don't say that in English. We say, wow, I've really improved. I can't believe how much better my English is now, this year, and compared to last year. Compared to last year, I wasn't too fluent. Now I'm really fluent. Why? Because I followed the instructions in Richard's book. <laughs> yeah, which meant a lot of my time. I, I spent the necessary time to improve. I don't have magic formulas. <laughs> my magic formulas require time and effort. Yes. In fact, the magic formula is inside you. It's not inside me. I simply try to wake up that magic in you. But it may, it requires work. Magic, you, to, hard work produces miracles. Nothing else, really, produces miracles. More miracles are produced by hard work than any other strategy. <clears throat> so, hard work. Adios rogando y con mazolando. Ora elabora. Yes. Reza pero rema, chico. <laughs> Do work. Yes, see, please, God, give me, yes, give me English, please. And he said, well, buy Richard's book, God says. Okay, so paragraph 348. It's a very simple paragraph. They've been having some problems lately. I don't know what kind of problems they are, but I think they're in financial trouble. Tom's been unemployed for almost a year. Oh, poor Tom, I wonder if his wife works. They've been having some problems lately. I don't know what kind of problems they are, but I think they're in financial trouble. Tom's been unemployed for almost a year. Which means Tom's been unemployed for about 11 months. Almost a year? Yeah. So, uh, they've been having... Presente perfecto continuo. They have been having... They've been having... In Spanish, you use the simple present... Tienen problemas. Ultimamente tienen problemas. What do you say? You think lately, ultimamente. When you see the word, the, the adverb lately, I guarantee you it's present perfect or present perfect continuous. They've been having, han estado teniendo, literalmente. Están teniendo ultimamente. Han estado teniendo, decimos en inglés. They've been having, they've been having some problems. They've been having some problems lately. Memorize this sentence. Yes. Tienen problemas desde hace de un tiempo a esta parte. They've been having some problems lately. Llevan tiempo con ciertos problemas. They've been having some problems lately. There's several ways to say it in Spanish. They've been having some problems lately. I don't know what kind of problems they are. But 
I don't know what kind of problems they are. No sé de qué se trata. But, but I think, but I, 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 but I. Es como decir, ba, ba, como empezar la palabra mantequilla, butter, y luego ba, y luego dices morir. But I, así decimos, pero yo, creo. But I think, but I, but I, empiezas mantequilla y dices morir. But I, but I, but I, but I, but I, but I, but I. But I think, así enlazamos. Bueno, no todo angloparlante, ¿eh? In many parts of England, they say, but I think, but I, but I, but I. Lo saltan el todo. Te y todo. But I. Queen's English, or received pronunciation, but, uh, but, but I, but I think, I think, creo. But I think they're in financial trouble. Tom's been unemployed for almost a year. Here we have the present perfect uh, twice. Present perfect continuous. They've been having some problems lately. And present perfect simple. Tom's been unemployed. Tom lleva casi un año desempleo, un paro. Tom has been unemployed for almost a year. For nearly a year. But not quite. Tom's been unemployed. Tom's been. Tom's been. Tom has been. Contracción Tom's. Tom's been unemployed. Been un. Been un. Hay un país que se llama Benin en África. Pero eso es been un. Been unemployed. Tom's been un. Tom's been un. Been un. Been un. Been un. Been un. Been unemployed. Been unemployed. Fonética. You know, I insist on this and to help you. La conectividad silábica y fonética. Tom's been unemployed for almost a year. They've been having some problems lately. I don't know what kind of problems they are, but, but I think, but I, but I, but I think they're in financial trouble. To be in trouble, to be in trouble is terminating un lío. To be in trouble. Now, to be in financial trouble is terminating un lío económico, financiero, personal. They're in financial problem. They're in financial trouble. Double trouble. Double trouble. There's a segment on Alberto Alonso's radio show called Double Trouble. Problemas <laughs> duplicados. Doble de problemas. Double trouble. Yes. Uh, they've been having some problems lately. I don't know what kind of problems they are. But... I think they're in financial trouble. But I think, but I think they're in financial trouble. They are. There. I think they're in financial trouble. Tom's been unemployed for almost a year. And why has Tom been unemployed for almost a year? Because he can't find a job. Well, how many hours a day does he devote to finding a job? Or improving his skill set? You know... If you want to find a job, work eight hours a day to find it. You need to. You need to have a strategy on finding a job. And you need to know what your skill set is. ¿Cuál es mi skill set? What is my skill set? Mi conjunto de, conjunto de habilidades, literalmente, mi skill set. We use that a lot. Skill set means el conjunto de habilidades y talento y destrezas que tengo yo. What's my skill set? Do you have skills? 
that are valuable for somebody. Maybe you have knowledge and skills in a certain area that could be very valuable for maybe only three or four companies in Spain, for example. If you're an expert in, for example, in accounting for a service company, certain types of service companies, or maybe you're an, an expert in accounting for chemical companies, well, that's very important to know. To For companies, it's very important to be able to hire somebody who can start right away and doesn't require too much time to to gain orientation. The onboarding process can be reduced. Maybe you're an expert in different sectors of the economy. You could be an expert in in uh, training and in language teaching. You could be an expert in chemical processes. You could be an expert in organization and industrial engineering or times and methods. You could be an expert in something. You have to be an expert in something. If you're not an expert in anything, it's why, why should I hire you? Me. You know, I have a company. Why should I hire you? Why should I? Should I? Should I? Should I? Otra vez con la palabra morir, die. Should I? ¿Por qué debo, debo yo contratarte? Why should I hire you? What can you, what, what, is there anything of value that you can offer me so I start paying you 20,000, 25,000, 30,000 euros a year of my money? into your pocket, in return for what? What are you going to give me in return? Are, am, I, am I going to have to train you to be valuable? Am I going to have to transform you into a valuable person? I prefer if I'm going to hire you and start paying you 20,000 or 30,000 euros, that you are valuable from day one, that you can bring to me something I need. You understand? Otherwise, you're not interesting for me. I don't care. You see, you need to think. If you're going to look for a job, you need to put yourself in the... You need to understand how the employer thinks. El empleador. The employer desperately needs people with talent. The employer desperately needs people who can pull the chestnuts out of the fire. Sacar las castañas del fuego, no? To pull the chestnuts, chestnuts out of the fire. And who can do it right away and doesn't, they don't require a lot of help, you see. So you need to be self-reliant. You need to be resourceful. You need to know how to do things. You need to know, if possible, how to impress others with your skill set. So you have to be, tienes que ganar cotización, tienes que tener algo de valor. You have to remember this. Simply going to the university and getting a degree is not a ticket to a job. Because every year, 400,000 people finish their degree and enter the labor market. 400,000 new competitors every year. So if you're going to graduate this year, in June, from the university, well, you have 400,000 other competitors simultaneously entering the labor market or the job market. And... uh how are you going to differentiate yourself? Knowing English extremely well is a very powerful point of differentiation. Very, very few people, even young people now, very, very few, but really speak English well. Said, wow, 
Cuban they're really speaking then if you surprise if you can surprise the employer or the recruiter with your level of English then you have a very high likelihood of being hired but it helped then you have you need to have other skills as well and uh, so think about it your skill set but so Tom our good friend Tom he's been unemployed for almost a year I get the impression that maybe Tom doesn't have a very solid skill set no tiene un conjunto sólido de habilidades y, y conocimientos he doesn't have a very solid skill set uh, yes and so he and his wife and the family They've been having some problems lately. I don't know what kind of problems they are, but I think they're in financial trouble. But I think, si hago más seguido, but I. But I think they're in financial trouble. I think they're in financial trouble. Tom's been unemployed for almost a year. Tom's been unemployed for almost a year. Okay. Poor Tom, well, I hope he finds a job next month. <laughs> next week, hopefully, he'll find a job. I hope he's, I'm hope he is, uh, I hope he has a job search strategy, you know. Maybe he should seek help. Maybe he should go to some experts in helping him design a strategy. Like my good friend Leopoldo, who died last year. Very sad, but... He knew how to help people get a job, and with big money, too. And it was a four- to five-, six-month strategy in working to get a job. And the first thing Leopoldo always said was, don't burn your contacts. No quemes tu red de contactos. Some people, when they lose a job, they panic. They panic and start sending out emails and, you know, to everybody, hey, help me get a yeah, I'm looking for a job. Talk to your boss uh, and send your CV, your curriculum. You send your CV to 120 people. That's, according to Leopoldi, you're burning your contacts. You have to use your network more wisely. Masabiamente. You have to use your network very wisely. And you have to study the, mar the job market, where the jobs what type of companies would likely benefit from a person of your of your um, skills and then to design an approach to companies like that even if they're not looking you know you can usually get a an interview you know with a good letter and, and there there are ways i have found my personally i have found that writing a very well-written and very short letter can get a lot of responses. It can get a lot of responses. It has to be very well-written, short, brief, to the point, eloquent. And people read, people don't throw it away. Or a, even a secretary doesn't throw it away. She waits until the boss says something and she, she finds the letter. I know this because I've used mailings well, I used mailings for a long, long, for many, many years, from 1978 up until 2003 or 2004. I used mailings, personalized. One letter, just one page. I never put a brochure inside or anything. 
<clears throat> three paragraphs directed to the person. Dear Mr. Pedith. And, um, but it was very, very well written in Spanish. Very well written. And it created some intrigue on the part of the receiver to meet me. You know, because I like the letter. I like this letter. And so uh, that's one of the reasons my company grew successfully throughout the 1980s and 1990s was thanks to sending letters. And I have helped quite a few people, maybe 15 people, find jobs. Uh, people leave just finishing uh, the university and they had no experience. And I said that. I'm aware of the fact that I don't have much, I don't have experience, but, <laughs> and so, but if you write it very, very well, tremendamente bien redactado, they notice it, they pay attention. People are, don't often receive written communication that is really eloquent or very well written without being pretentious, just very well written, and they will respond. And if you send out 100 letters, you will receive 10 responses and maybe 10 interviews. So you just... And then, of course, your CV as well. But I would be reluctant to send my CV. I would probably send out the letter, only the letter. Uh, but And the CV should be just very, very simple. Not a two, three-page CV. Always your CV should be just one page. At the most, con mucho espacio blanco, with a lot of white space, where it's easy, quick and easy to read, but very, very good. It was it's con esmero, esmero. How do you say esmero in English? Thoroughness. But I don't really know. I love the word es, con esmero. I love the word thorough in English. Thorough means concienzudo, más que de esmero. Let's find out what they say for esmero. Esmero. Care, trouble, to great, to take great, esmerarse, to go to a lot of effort. Well, hmm, esmero. Let me see if I can find some good synonyms. Cuidado, dedicación, escrupulosidad. This is demasiado, no. Celo. I don't know. Escrupulo. Diligencia. I don't know. Con beauty. Try to get some beauty. Yeah, hermosura, something in the, sometimes, just work on writing well, without it being pretentious. What we call elegancia muda, mute elegance. That means it's not too elegant, <laughs> just the right doses of elegance, and people really like that. All right, let's go on to paragraph number 349. It's very, this paragraph is very simple. Uh, let's move the table over here next to the door. That way we have enough room to place the couch and armchair against the wall over there. Over here, over there, over here, over there. Remember, here, see, we've got key. There, allí. Pero cuando hay referencia visual, decimos over here, over there. Dentro de una habitación. Mira, tráelo hasta aquí. A mí, donde estoy yo. Bring it over here. No, llévalo allí, a la rincón, aquel. Take it over there. Bring it over here. Take it over there. Bring it. Tráelo acá, a mi lado, aquí. Bring it over here. Llévalo allá donde el, en el rincón. Take it over there. When there's visual reference, 
Okay. Let's move the table over here next to the door. That way, we have enough room to place the couch and armchair against the wall over there. Over here, over there. So in this paragraph, interesting, there are at least two people. And they are furnishing a room. To furnish is amueblar. They are furnishing a room. And so uh, the um, they're saying, let's move. Movamos, mover. <laughs> you would say, desplacemos, movemos, mo mo movamos. La mesa aquí. Hasta aquí, cerca del lado de la puerta. Let's move the table over here next to the door. Let's move the table over here next to the door. Let's move the table over here next to the door. That way, that way, de esa manera, así, de esa manera, that way, we have enough room to place the couch and armchair against the wall over there. So the person wants to place the couch, el sofá, and the armchair, and the sillón, the couch and the armchair, the person speaking wants to place, colocar, to place is colocar, place como lugar, sitio, to place como verbos, to colocar. Uh, the uh, speaker wants to place the couch and armchair against the wall, probably the opposite wall, but they need to make room. To make room is a espacio. They need to make room for the the couch and armchair. And the way to do that, they have to move the table because the table's in the way. The table is in the way. Yeah, in the way means obstaculizando, está en medio. The table's in the way. So the person, the man says, or the woman, the person says, let's move the table over here next to the door. Okay? That way, we have enough room. Tenemos sitio suficiente, espacio suficiente. That way, we have enough room to place the couch and armchair against the wall over there. Room. Room has two meanings. Well, it has more than two, but the two most important is habitación, cuarto, and espacio, sitio. Haz sitio para mí. Haz espacio. No hay sitio para, hay sitio para cuatro. There's enough room. There's room for four. Make room for one more. Can you make room for one more? Puedes hacer sitio para uno más. Can you make room? Can you make room for one more? There was a popular television pro series in the 1950s and 1960s called Make Room for Daddy. Haz espacio. Abre espacio para papá. Make Room for Daddy. The Danny Thomas Show. Make Room for Daddy. I remember that show with Danny Thomas. Interesting comedian, Danny Thomas. He was uh, Lebanese, but very popular, very good comedian. Danny Thomas, make room for Daddy. Haz espacio para papá. Daddy, todo espacio pillao. Y papá, you know, I get home, I'm tired from work. Make room for Daddy. So let's move the table over here next to the door. Over here next to the door. Next to the door. Next to, next to the door. That way, así, de esa manera. That way, that way we have enough room to place the couch and armchair against the wall over there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I hope they uh, manage to furnish, furnish that way black. <clears throat> I hope they manage to furnish the room successfully. I wish